All right, this is Bishop Bowser here on Slow Motion. Thank you for tuning in again to our podcast, Shafat, Shafat Outreach Podcast. And today we have an interesting and a good story for you today and, and, and uh, dealing with, um, we're going to deal with prison reentry, but we're going to also talk about some other things that surround that, right? Because a lot of times we just say prison reentry, but what does that mean when a person uh, comes back into society? And I have here with us today, uh, Bobby Wood. And uh, thank you for being on the show with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. It's great to be here. All right. All right. Now, now um, we want to talk about reentry, but I want to get a little background on, on you, Bobby, because I know your your background is very interesting, interesting as far as what you've been through your life and getting out of prison. And now you got out last year, but now you're here and um, the, the, the COVID-19 stepped up, you know, and trying to rebuild your life, you know, getting a job. I know you want to get back in college, go work on your master's degree. And, and many of those things. And um, it seems like, you know, with this COVID-19 thing uh, stepping up, it kind of messing up everything. <laughs> so I, I just want to start start uh, with um, you telling me, um, give me a little bit about just tell us a little bit about yourself and background about yourself. Well, my name is Robert Wood, but all my friends call me Bobby like you do. I was born and raised in San Diego, California at the age of about 14, 15 years old. I started running with gang members, got involved in that with the West Coast Crips, and that culminated in basically a life of crime that led up to after multiple arrests, multiple incarcerations for everything you can think of, led up to me finally getting indicted for a conspiracy to distribute 20 kilos of crack cocaine and murder conspiracy under the RICO Act. And getting sentenced to 25 years. Man, man. How old were you when you got into the game? Uh, probably about 14, 15 years old. 14, 15 years old. And um, the first time you done time, was it in state prison? Or where did you do your, your first um, prison sentence? The first time I did time, I was in state prison. Oh, okay. What'd yeah. you go for? I went for a game-related shooting. Mm-hmm. So you went to, how much time did you do when you went to prison? So when I went to prison the first time, I ended up getting uh, three years. They considered it a gang-related shooting. Um, in a way, it was, but it was actually a dispute over drugs. Okay. Which gotcha. actually happens a lot in, uh -huh. in the gang world. Uh-huh. Following that, I went back to prison several more times mm -hmm. um, for multiple offenses. Mm-hmm. Including violations of mm -hmm. parole. Mm -hmm. uh, once for being around gang members, um, I went for possessing a marijuana for sale. Wow! Where they caught me with a nine millimeter, some marijuana, some mm -hmm. cocaine, and said, "If you just plead out, we'll drop everything else." You know how that goes, right? And I just been in and out multiple times. Mm -hmm my whole life, but I never really got a lot of time. Oh, okay, okay. And I was always doing state time where the gang thing is real heavy. So if you're involved in gangs at all and you're doing time in state prison, especially back in the late 80s and mm -hmm. throughout the 90s, mm -hmm. then you're in there and you don't really have time to think. Right, right, right. And so fast forward to me ending up in federal prison, Uh huh. and not only do you have time to think, but you're incentivized to think. Right. How much time did you get when you went to federal prison? 
25 years, 300 wow. months. They sent you a month, but 300 months is equivalent to 25 years. Oh, man, Lord. <laughs> That's a lot of time. How much time did you actually do out of that 25? Out of that 25 years, I did 17 and a half. Uh-huh. I wasn't scheduled to be released back into society until December 18th, 2023. Oh, okay. But they came, they passed a new law called the First Step Act, mm-hmm. which Cut 50 actually lobbied for. And fortunately, at that time, we were able to get uh, President Donald Trump to sign that into law. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, now he says it's one of the biggest mistakes he ever made, and he would never do it again. Did he? But I did not know story. that. Yes, he said that. That's been uh, in the national media that, that he said it. It wow. was one of the biggest mistakes he made. It will never happen again. I hope it's just campaign rhetoric. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, I was able to get out on that law. So, so thank you, Mr. President, Amen. for the mistake. Amen. Amen. That's you know? absolutely. So, so what was like? I know, I know, like when you did your federal time, you was able to work on some of your degrees and things like that. So, what was what was your um, your thinking when you were um, looking to? Um, uh, get an education or set up a career and everything. I know the phone is going off. <laughs> so when so when you when you did your time in prison, and you uh, working on your education, uh, what was going through your mind as far as your career pursuit? Were uh, were you just trying to do it to you know do something, or, or did you have a certain career in mind that you that you think about when you get out what you want to do? Well, what I what I did with my education, first of all, I'll explain what the degrees for. Okay. And then I'll explain how they relate to some of my current pursuits. Mm-hmm. So, I started off. I got an associates of arts in general studies. Mm-hmm. From there, I got an associates of arts in sociology. Okay. And then I finished up with a double bachelor's of science degree, which is like two bachelor's of science degrees mm-hmm. in small business management, one in marketing. And the reason for those particular disciplines was that I felt sociology, I needed to know people. Okay. General studies, I just needed to get used to learning and educate myself. And then with the dual bachelor's of science in small business management and marketing, Mm -hmm. I started off to get a bachelor's of science degree in small business management so I could help small business owners. Mm -hmm. And... I found that I liked marketing so much as a minor and I kept taking so many courses in marketing. Every extra place on my degree I had for a course, it was marketing. Okay. And one day I was talking to one of the counselors at the university and he said, you know, with just two extra classes on top of what you have, you have a double bachelor's in science degree. Wow. In small business management and marketing, you'll qualify for, for two disciplines. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, will I get two degrees?" He said, "It's what you call a double degree." Wow! So it is two degrees, but it, you know they show on one mm-hmm. degree. So I, I did that, and then I began an uh, MBA studies in business leadership. Okay. And so the thinking behind that was sociology would allow me to understand people, small business management would allow me to know what goes into managing businesses. And marketing would allow me to show people how to help their businesses boom. Okay. The business okay. leadership is because in order to show people these things, you have to be able to lead. Right. So that was the the reason for the pursuits. And I was actually able to help a lot of people while I was incarcerated. 
and I've been able to advise and counsel quite a few people since I've been out. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And when did you get out? I got out September 26th of 2019. Okay. So that was last year. Now, in, in addition to that formal education I told you about, mm -hmm. I also taught public speaking wow. and screenwriting for 15 years of my incarceration. Whoa. You and as you know, in the process of teaching anything, you really hone your skills at it. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. So that's led up to, you know, me having some different opportunities because of that. Hey, man, that's that's good, man. That That's wow. So uh, when you got out and I know before the uh, COVID-19 broke out and everything was on lockdown, things like that. How, you know, when it when it comes to. um uh, uh, you getting out and, and transitioning, you know, we call it reentry into society. What, what are some of the, the, the good things that you saw that um, was good for someone like yourself getting out of prison and the resources that was available? Was there any good, any positive things that you can look at to say that, man, you know, thank God for this. Thank God for that. Yeah, well, there were quite a few positive things that, that I could get out to. And when you say positive things that I'm getting out to, are you talking about resources provided by the government or resources provided by society or just in total? Uh, in total. So in, in total, total, I got out to quite a few positive resources, you being a big one of them. Uh, <laughs> hooked <laughs> up with you that. and you helped me up out a whole lot, you know, just to, to keep it real. And I've told many people that. Uh -huh. um, in, in addition to that, there were there there's grants and loans available mm -hmm. um, because I had been in there doing a lot of volunteer work while I was doing my education with prison scholars. And I had been staying in touch with the then executive director of the prison scholar fund, Lewis Reed, mm -hmm. through my friend Angelo Sweldon. Well, Angelo Sweldon introduced me to him, and then he and I stayed in touch. Uh -huh. And so I was able to come right home and cut 50 plugs right into me. Prison scholars cut right into me, mm -hmm. and they were there, available to me. Mm -hmm. Then I had been in touch with Project Rebound at San Diego State University. Okay, I heard so, of them. Uh, they were available to me when I got out. And just not to mention a lot of people in the community that reached out to me, um, it was just there was a, a big outpouring of resources mm -hmm. and love to help me get out and get started. Mm -hmm. Although while I was doing my time, I didn't know that all that stuff was going to be there. I mean, within the first week or two of me getting out, uh, there is a, a friend of mine, actually like a friend of the family, a friend of me and Pam's named Rashida Hamid. Yeah, I know. And her. she immediately took me to a community mentoring event. Mm -hmm. And I got to see, you know, just how big the community is <laughs> yeah. outside of the gang culture. Amen. Right. And that kind of opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. I actually met you at something like that that my sister Pam took me to. Yeah, Paving Great Futures. I was on the panel. Yeah, yeah, you were on the panel. And so as I began to look at the community out here in San Diego, I was like, wow, all this has been going on my whole life, and all mm -hmm. I've known is the streets. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was awakening to me on top of everything else. Right, right. That, you know, at any time when I got ready to change my life, uh -huh. all these resources were available to me. Mm -hmm. 
And, and for anybody listening, you know, in San Diego or, or basically in the United States, period, mm-hmm. if you get out and you really look, mm-hmm. there are resources available to you. Because I'll tell you what, the ones available to me were in most cases available to anybody who was in that lane. Gotcha. And depending on the lane that you're in, there are a lot of resources available. Mm-hmm. You just have to go look for them. You just have to look for them and things like that. So I know, like when you when you got out, I, uh, what was you, what did you say your 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 mindset was from the perspective of getting out and trying to catch up with technology and with everything that's going on? Just like I, I remember you sharing a story with me as far as when you got out downtown, you thought, hey, I know my way around. But when you got out, <laughs> you downtown, you said, whoa, things have changed. You know, so from 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 a perspective of before, before you got locked up, then when you got back, then when you got out, I know a lot of things have changed. And um, uh, what is from your perspective? What are some of the things that uh, you saw that was um, uh, really you have to readjust yourself to, especially with dealing with technology and uh, things just changing around us? Well, one of the things that was shocking to me, mm-hmm. extremely shocking to me, was the phone. Okay. So when I got out, there was a young gentleman with me. He was getting out the same day. He's like probably 21, 22 years old. Uh-huh. And I'm telling him, don't worry about this, man. I got you. Just, <laughs> just roll with me. Uh, he said, ain't no phone booth no more. I said, man, don't worry about it, man. I'm really personable. I will find a phone for us to use, and I'll make sure you can use it too. Uh-huh. Well, we walked outside, and in less than a minute, I was able to find a young lady walking using the phone, and I, you know, walked up to her, approached her, and said, "Hey, excuse me, I just got out of MCC San Diego after 17 and a half years in custody. Mm-hmm. I need to use your phone. I don't have to hold it because I don't want you to think I'm trying to take it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, you can hold it." She said, "No, go ahead and use it." Okay. And I looked at the phone. I said, "You know what? <laughs> I would be a lot more comfortable with you keeping your phone in your hand because I want you to be comfortable." Please, just dial this number for me. Uh-huh. And I told her my sister's number. Uh-huh. And so when that exchange was over, I got her to let my friend use the phone to call his people. Uh-huh. And when she walked away, he said, man, um, she was cool. Why didn't you use her phone? Why didn't you, you know, talk uh-huh. to her or something? Uh-huh. I said, man, the phone freaked me out. There's no <laughs> buttons on it. <laughs> and you two embarrassed and like, hey, I don't know how to use and this so, thing. And so, and so I was flabbergasted. So that one of the main things that tripped me out, mm-hmm. uh, technology was the biggest thing, but the thing that tripped me out the most is like, wow, everybody is walking around with a supercomputer. Look at that. Yep. Smartphones and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So everybody has a supercomputer yeah. now, even little kids. Exactly. Exactly. And like, yeah, exactly. Kids, my grandkids. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it would have been considered a supercomputer in 2002 when I got oh, incarcerated. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I left the streets, phones did not even take pictures. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal when phones started taking pictures. Right. And texting. To the point where I was incarcerated. We seen they have phones that we can take pictures with now. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wow. And then next thing you know, it's they can do anything with the phone yep, now. Yep, yep. Don't have to go online and send the emails and all. You just you're right there. You got it in your app and so on. Everything is is built that way. Now, one of the things that you did say that kind of stood out to me was 
is that phone and you know you don't want to tell her like hey you know i don't know how to use this phone but you said hey i'd be more comfortable if, if you just held it in blah 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 and use it that way and i can imagine that there are many things like maybe even yourself or others when they get out of prison re-enter society that um they, they they probably don't know how to either use certain things or do certain things and they're probably they might be i don't know if it's too shameful or whatever but just don't want to say anything like hey i don't know how to do that you know um uh, i need help with this and so on what do you think that when when a person gets out or even before a person get out of prison that a person needs to be orientated on as far as re-entering back into society uh one of the things anybody who's doing a lot of time needs to learn first of all two things mm -hmm. You need to learn where your community resources are. Okay. In most places, you can dial 211 to find some of them. Right. The other thing you can do, and I learned it really quick, mm -hmm. is say, hey, Google, or hey, Siri, <laughs> how do you do this, or how do you find that? I have a friend named Tap. He was like, look, man, when you need to look for something, quit asking people. This is what you do. You press this little microphone on your phone. You go to Google. Press this little mic and ask it anything. He said, just try it. Mm -hmm. And I did, and I was amazed at how many answers it could give you. And usually Google or Siri leads you to YouTube, mm -hmm. and YouTube has a video on just about anything you want to do. So people ask me uh, about my own podcast and uh -huh. YouTube channel, like, how did you learn how to do all this? You mm -hmm. know, because I do my own editing. Right. All that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And I just went on Google. Uh-huh. I just, hey, Google, how do you do this? How do you do that? Mm -hmm. And you watch the tutorials and you study them and you'll learn. So if they have something that they want to learn, a lot of times they can learn right there on the spot mm -hmm. with that handheld supercomputer that we call a phone now. Amen. 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 <laughs> that is for sure. So so now um, being out and, you know, uh, with, you know, prison record and so on, what do you think are some of the things that really is the, the way society is built around uh, dealing with folks who have criminal records and been to prison? What do you think are some of the setbacks, like when you're getting out and a person really trying to go forward like anybody else, like here's a brother that uh, got college degree, got numerous degrees, uh, very intelligent, very smart, uh, hard worker like yourself and everything, but yet, I know there are stumbling blocks that are in your way because of your background. Yeah, there are some stumbling blocks because of my background. And I do view those in the light of if mm -hmm. you can't go through it, go around it. Amen. And how would Don't you do sit that? up beating your head to death trying to go through it. Got you. Just walk right around it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so to that effect, I have ran into a stumbling block or two mm -hmm. and went right around them. Mm -hmm. Some Find of another them, way to deal with it. Sometimes you can't maneuver in certain arenas because of it. Uh-huh. You just find another arena to play in. That's why I say that's not my lane. Let me get over here. Or, hey, okay. If that is my yeah. lane, yeah. I may need to change lanes. Mm -hmm. And the only thing when we talk about these supercomputers that we call phones in our pocket, <laughs> the only thing that, that, that kind of hurts about them is they have a lot of programs for people to look you up and run background checks on you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So now with the wink and the smile, the law is they can only go back 10 years, but there's nothing to stop these programs from going back further. Oh, yeah, If absolutely. you go on one of those programs, they just say 
it, uh, 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 don't go back more than 10 years for this, that, or the other. But when they're saying not to do it, mm-hmm. they're completely set up to go back 90 years if you want to. Wow, wow, wow. And so your record is going to follow you if a person is looking at that as a major factor. Mm-hmm. But if they look in front of you, they see somebody who's been rehabilitated mm-hmm. or they see somebody who they think may have been really rehabilitated mm-hmm. and they're willing to give them a chance. A lot of time they can find extraordinary workers, uh, extraordinary employees, extraordinary business partners, because these are people that don't want to make a return to that. Mm-hmm. These people don't come to you with the renewed skill set gotcha. or with the new skill set. Mm-hmm that they've picked up while incarcerated mm-hmm. or since they've been out through some of these programs looking to play games. Mm-hmm. They come, they're ready for business. They're trying to make a total life change. And you are one very important component of that. Right. So I advise employers, if you have somebody incarcerated who is looking for a job and they approach you, if they seem sincere, mm-hmm. If you interview them, you talk to them, and they know their stuff, mm-hmm. give them a chance. Amen. Because when you give them a chance, you may be absolutely shocked. Could be some of the best people that you get, and that's for sure. Yes. And that was one of the things I was going to ask you, and you kind of uh, touched on it when you talk about someone helping getting someone a job. So, like, the, I, I run across people all the time, uh, especially, you know, white folks who, you know, really want to help. They they know that, you know, the oppression and discrimination and mass incarceration, all these different things uh, take place in the black community. And a lot of times they say to me with the work that I'm doing, how can I help? What can I do? Right. What would you say to, to people like that? Well, the, the only reason I'm smiling because <laughs> uh, when you say white folks that really want to help, uh-huh. you force me to give a shout out to my good friend, Amy Zamudio, uh-huh, uh-huh. great friend of mine. And she, like yourself, has uh-huh. uh, been one of the primary resources since I've came home. Amen. It's been a lot of people. Right. Um, and so what I would say to them, if they really want to help, mm-hmm. Do the hard work like Amy's doing. Mm-hmm. And also try, if you if you know the people, you have the clout, you have the pool, mm-hmm. step up and do the legislative work. Talk All to right. some of your friends and open their eyes so that when it's time to vote on new laws mm-hmm. that could benefit people or turn some of the draconian system around, right. that you have people who are listening to you and getting educated on these issues and understanding them so that when they make a vote on issues like this, or when they talk to senators, congressmen, friends of influence that they may have, mm-hmm. that they're talking from a knowledgeable point of view. Yeah. And they're talking with empathy. Amen. Amen. That, that's that's awesome there. So um, you're out and, um, uh, you know, you're moving. And the, the, the thing that. I really like about you and observing you, you know, this past year, you know, since I, I think you thought about what a couple of weeks when I when I hooked up with you and stuff. And um, and uh, from all this time that I've been observing you, you got your, your head together, you know, from what I've seen, you got yourself together in, in the way you think and the goals, different things you want to do and things like that. And with with people that are getting out, you know, and you look at you go back and you look at when you got out of prison when you was younger. And, you know, when it got caught back up, like you said, you was going back and forth and so on. Looking at that mindset that you had back then and the mindset that you have now, what is the difference that you would think you have now in as far as your way of thinking? 
Well, the different biggest difference is that I in, adopted success orientation. Okay. And what success orientation is, is I have the mindset of success. Mm-hmm. I have renewed belief in myself. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that I, I'd like to say, because I know there are a lot of people out there like me, a lot of people get out and, or like I used to be, they're mm-hmm. thinking about money. Mm-hmm. People. If all you're thinking about is the money, mm-hmm. think about this. If you build up to, let's say, two or three million dollars, mm-hmm. you go to prison, they take half of it, your family spends half of it, whatever, mm-hmm. they spend part of it, you get out with a couple hundred thousand, or let's say you get out like I did with nothing, mm-hmm. and it's gone. If you build up to a hundred thousand dollars and You continue to do the activities you do because they're legal. You can do them in front of God and everybody. Mm -hmm. They're legitimate business activities. You're paying tax on your money. Mm -hmm. You're living the right way. Your business can grow. Amen. That's the biggest difference (laughs) in legal money and criminal money. All right. Less illegal gain does grow, Mm -hmm. but it has to grow in secret, and that's really hard to do. Right. A lot of time, it has to grow with blood attached to it. Mm-hmm. But guys, those of you out there who have been in the streets, you know what I mean. You right. know what we have to do sometimes to protect our money. Right. You know, so a lot of stuff goes with that illegal money that doesn't go with legal money. Now, one of the things about doing things legitimately is don't get out here, go legit, mm-hmm. and think because you went legit that you're in shark-free water. Right. Because in the business world, there are many sharks. They will try to get Ooh. you to sign something without looking. Mm-hmm. Fine print is fine print for a reason. Mm-hmm. You should read the fine print more than you read the bold print. Mm-hmm. Because that's where all the tricks and loopholes are hidden at. That's where arbitration will be did mm-hmm. in Albany, New York. And you're sitting up in San Diego, California, site of that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> this is where all the trickery is. Right. And so when you get into the business landscape, please take the time as you're doing whatever you're doing. You may be a natural born hustler, but take the time to read up, understand it, do some YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand something you're trying to do, maybe go to LegalZoom or some other resources. Mm -hmm. Talk to some of the business people in the community. Mm -hmm. But the main thing that I endorse for people who have been formerly incarcerated who want to change their life, whether you have a job, a career, or whatever else you have going, mm-hmm. do some t- involve yourself in some type of entrepreneurial activity. Okay. And the reason I say involve yourself into some type of entrepreneurial activity, because it allows you to feed the hustler side of yourself. Amen. Without doing anything illegal. Amen. In other words, you have this built-in hustler mm-hmm. that's not going anyplace. Mm-hmm. Remember, Bill Gates had the built-in hustler. Right. Oprah Winfrey had the built-in hustler. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of people had it. Millionaires, billionaires. Right. That's how they got to where they were. Amen. But they just funneled it in a different direction. So if you get out and you've been having a lot of money your whole life, you've been living addicted to what it. What we call ghetto fashion, <laughs> ghetto yeah. fabulous, and you're addicted to money. <laughs> Don't think that you're going to get out and just get a job and that's going to be enough for you. Right. Understand yourself. Understand that you need to feed your hustler. Amen. Get a side gig. Get into network marketing. It's cheap interest. 
Look at that. Start doing something on your own. Do something that's going to allow you to say, I'm hustling. Amen. Amen. I'm and, working, but I'm hustling. And I like that. And that way, you kind of fulfill yourself. Amen. And as you grow, after a few years, just say, wait a second, man, <laughs> that, this this hustle's grown into something. There you go. It'll there happen. You. That's it. That's it. And, and you know what I was going to say is, I, and I like uh, what you're saying in regards to that, because one of the things I always say is that a lot of people that get out of prison, they, um, uh, with their back criminal background, you know, felonies and different things like that, it's hard to get a good job that they're qualified for because of their background. And so I'm seeing a lot of people starting their own businesses up and becoming businessmen, entrepreneurs, and things like that. And the way I see it, that is the trend. That is the thing to do if a person, at least from what I think, so I'm glad you confirmed it because that's one of the things I had already been thinking is that, you know, an individual would have really has to get out there, whatever line of ambition, passion they have, uh, skills they have, get in that area and, and, and become an entrepreneur, uh, get in that line, start your own business, start networking and, and build something, you know, from the ground up, that will be yours that you own. And, you know, you can take, you know, for lack of a better word, I don't like the term, but pride in it. Or, you know, at least be gracefully thankful to God that God has blessed you and enabled you to do such things. So that's that's really good. What would you, there's two, two more questions I'll be done unless you have something else you want to say. But uh, one thing is what would you say to the youngsters that are coming up, you know, uh, anywhere between the age of, of, of the, the age children, youth I'm dealing with right now is like 15, 16, 17 years old. And I, and I work with some youngsters that are in their 20s, but some already been to prison and different things like that. But being in our 50s and been through all of that, and some of them, you know, they, they, they don't realize they're right in the midst either of going through what you've been through or they're going to have to make a decision to change, not for that happen like I did at age of 22 and a half years old, made a change. So what would you say to those those youngsters today that's on the path that, that you were on? Well, one of the things I would say to those youngsters is I have a couple things in my past that you might not enjoy if they come, if and when they come your way. Mm-hmm. Actually, three things. One of them is I have a couple bullet holes in my body. Mm-hmm. Another one is I have a lot of prison time under my belt. Mm-hmm. And the third one is when I was growing up, I constantly went to funerals of people who died way too young by the gun. Amen. Yeah. Sad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there, there is something that a lot of them can do to change the trajectory. Okay. At least to give themselves a start. Mm-hmm. And you remember you and I did this when we spoke to some young people. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we gave them the 60-day challenge. Uh-huh. Amen. And so I'm just going to put it out right here on your Go podcast. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Hold on a second. Just get this phone there. <laughs> Go ahead. The 60-day challenge is a challenge to people to go 60 days crime-free. But during those 60 days, pursue something entrepreneurial. Amen. I don't care if you go buy five T-shirts and sell them for, buy five T-shirts for $10 and sell them for $15. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you knock on doors and wash cars or cut grass. Mm -hmm. But to do something entrepreneurial, just to see what legitimate business feels like. Right. So 60 days, crime-free, with entrepreneurship. 
And so anybody who's out there who wants to take that challenge, let's do it. Let's see it. Amen. Uh, Amen. You can hit up, since we're doing it on this podcast, you can uh, hit up Bishop Bowser Mm -hmm. and let him know you're doing it. And, Mm -hmm. of course, I'll see it. (laughs) And uh, let's see how many of you guys uh, bite into that. Amen. Because that's a really big deal. And and a lot of the guys who we talked to, and we were talking to guys with probation. Uh These weren't regular kids we were talking to when we were doing this. These weren't just some kids at the park. Mm -hmm. This was a group of probation kids. Right. And they actually like the 60-day challenge. Okay. Amen. So let's Amen. see if we get some of your listeners to do it. Come on, that. let's do it. All right. I, I look forward to that. Uh, so the, the last question is kind of like a twofold question. It, and it's, it's, it's from one perspective, it's like, um, what, what, what do you, what, what's next for you? And then also, at least from the um, prison reform perspective, what would you like to see happen in reform? Um, in regards to the federal and state prisons? Well, in prison reform, one of the things I would like to see happen with prisoner reform is I would like to see the drug laws, the laws that drug time carries mm-hmm. in federal prisons mm-hmm. drastically reduced. I don't think any drug time should carry over 10 years. Okay. I've talked about that ad nauseum to people while I was incarcerated since right. I've been out, just had dinner table conversations. Mm-hmm. People say that drugs lead to violence and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. Well, if I've committed some violence with the drug crime, charge me for the violence and mm-hmm. give me the time for it. But whatever you do, whatever you do, don't give me 25, 30 years for a drug case because there could have been violence involved. Right. Or don't catch me with a pistol and some drugs and say, oh, that's an extra 10, 20 years because I saw a lot of people in the feds who that had happened to. Mm-hmm. Because you got caught with a pistol and some drugs, that means you were enforcing the drug trade with a pistol. Wow. I mean, it's just, there's just so, so many different things mm-hmm. that it, it, I just can't get over it. And one of the things that I really, really don't like mm-hmm. as far as prison sentences mm-hmm. is when people are incarcerated, they have to take a job. Right. In many instances. Not every time, but in many instances. Mm-hmm. What that does is that makes people who have means in there mm-hmm. take jobs away from people who don't right. just so they can get a job. And it allows a legal form of slavery That's what or servitude. Absolutely. Because if I have to take a job, I'm required to take a job because I'm in there. Mm-hmm. That means once I'm in there, no rights. That's right. That's right. Although That's you right. do have some rights in there and I've exercised some of them and <laughs> you know, they're, they're pretty fair in some cases about the rights that you have. You know, it's a 50, 50 ball. Mm-hmm. The very last thing that I want to say that I would like to do it would make the biggest difference out of all the sentence reform that they've done. If people who are incarcerated mm-hmm. were allowed to vote. Amen. In other words, if I'm sitting in there and I can vote, then guess what? Barack Obama and Donald Trump wouldn't be the only two pres- presidents that went inside the prisons. Right. Because that would be part of the campaign trail, wouldn't Amen. it? Amen. That's right. That's if right I'm for part everybody. Of the campaign trail, and I'm part of your constituency. 
mm-hmm. then you have to listen to me. Yep. Yep. And if I tell you that the people who run stuff inside of here are doing something wrong, it's a BFD to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason it's a BF deal is because now the people who are saying that they're being done wrong are my constituents. Amen. And so as long as you have a whole demographic of people you strip away who rights. don't have a yeah. vote, vote mm-hmm. you're going to have an underserved demographic. That's right. That's right. And I, I know they're working on that in California, so I forget the bill number, but I know they're working on that to, uh, right now. Is, I, I think they're trying to get that passed. So um, hopefully we'll see what happened with that, where the guys will be able to vote in prison. Uh, I know, I think it was Michael Moore I saw on, I, I think the, the documentary was Where to Invade Next. And they actually, I forget, I don't know if it was in Norway, it was somewhere where they went, where the politicians actually went into the prisons and were campaigning in the prison because they were able to vote and, and trying to get them to vote for them and so on. So well, that would happen in the United States if, if people could vote while they were incarcerated. Exactly. And you know what people would be asking for? They would be asking for school. Mm-hmm. They would be asking for fair pay for jobs. Mm-hmm. They would be asking for fair and equitable laws. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that if people were allowed to vote while they were incarcerated, this would be balanced with the overwhelming number of people who aren't incarcerated. Right, right. So it's not like you would say, oh, now people in prison are going to run the world. No, mm-hmm. because their vote only counts for one vote. Exactly. And exactly. so the people who are out here in the world are a balance, a check mm-hmm. and balance type thing with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's like in the United States, we have the executive and the judiciary. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it gets rocky. Sometimes they get ticked off. Donald Trump doesn't like everything that the Supreme Court does. That's they right. don't like everything he does. Right. Barack Obama didn't like everything the Supreme Court did. They mm-hmm. didn't like everything he did. Mm-hmm. You know, but those are the checks and balances. You have the executive, the judiciary, mm-hmm. and then the legislature. Legislat- and sometimes yeah. I, I don't want to leave them out. <laughs> they're very important. Uh-huh. They are the biggest body and the body of, you know, all this that people have the most access to. Right, right. And so don't think for one second that giving prisoners the vote mm-hmm. is going to actually just say, wow, this is it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, giving prisoners the vote Amen. is just going to make things fair. It's just going to give them a voice. It's just going to force people to stand up and take notice of them. Mm-hmm. If prisoners had to vote right now, right. do you think that the current COVID crisis inside Thank the prisons you. in the United States would be the same place it That's is That's very important to mention, yeah. I just got a call from my sister today from prison. She called yesterday and she called today. And, and yesterday she said another staff person has COVID. Today somebody else has COVID. And every time they're putting them on lockdown and so on. So they really treat them horrible and their people are dying. Um, from this that wasn't don't have didn't even have a life sentence and people are dying in there. My sister has an underlying health condition uh, in her lungs too, and so she feels she was like, if I get it, I'm gone. I'm like, but don't talk like that though, you know. But um, clearly understand that. So you're absolutely right. You know, if 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 they gave um, uh, folks that are doing serving their time full rights to vote and things like that, then then they would be respected more because they know that they have a vote. And they can make a difference along with the people that are not incarcerated. Well, let me put it this way. Could you imagine people incarcerated right now in the United States mm-hmm. saying that they don't have the necessary mask? Mm-hmm. They don't have the necessary hand sanitizer. Right. They're not getting the proper medical treatment. Mm-hmm. Guards are being allowed to come in mm-hmm. uh, without COVID screening. Mm-hmm. 
infected because some of them uh, infected in some cases. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm not, and, and, and they may not be allowed like, just like, Oh, it's okay to come in with COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing that any place. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is the same way you go to some hospitals and you got to get a thermometer and they're swabbing you right. and or you go all this. They put it the, should be that tight. temperature and everything. Yeah, else. And yeah. it would be, it would be that tight mm-hmm. in every prison jail in the land. If the people in there were allowed to vote, because guess what? That wouldn't be people whose families had to just cry out for them. Of course, their families would be lobbying for them, too. Right. But they would be able to partner up with their family and saying, we're voting with you. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you want? You know, what are some priorities that you want us to think about? Right. For our right. vote. Right. Absolutely. And man. so the vote yeah. is, the, is the biggest thing you could do. Exactly. If you forget everything else that anybody's ever said about prison reform mm-hmm. and you just give them the vote. I yeah. think the biggest prison reform ever mm-hmm. was the first step back. Amen. The biggest single sweet prison reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, National, yeah. Shockingly, yeah. it was signed by a president who later said he, he thought it was a mistake. Yep. He'd never do it again, but his like base I probably said, didn't like it. <laughs> huh? His base, you know, the, 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 the supporters, they probably didn't like it. I, I don't know. Well, some of his supporters were for it, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, he feels that way. That's sad, but yep. he does. But he did sign it. Mm-hmm. It did get pushed through. I'm proud to say as a Cut 50 Cents Reform Ambassador, Cut 50 <laughs> had a heck of a lot to do with it. Amen. And ha- has a senior social media advisor and a member of the board for the Prison Scholar Fund. Mm-hmm. The Prison Scholar Fund was lobbying also for it. Right. So a lot of organizations were lobbying for that, and I do not take anything away from that effort. I Amen. thought it was not giant, not enormous, but ginormous. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's powerful. The only thing that I could see mm-hmm. right off the top, mm-hmm. single bill, mm-hmm. that would be more effective for prison reform mm-hmm. would be giving prisoners the vote. Amen. As Amen. big as the First Step Act is, empowering them with the vote. Amen. And that's on a <laughs> state to and the, national About level. the 10th yeah. step. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. That, that, that would be great, man. That would be great. And so hopefully, you know, in California... I know that they're they're working on a bill. I forget the, the the number of the bill, but they are talking about. It. So look out for that when you start hearing about uh, uh, prisoners being able to vote and giving them voting rights while they're in prison. Uh, pay attention to that and do support that bill when it comes through because um, and push for that to get passed because it's very important that that bill get passed. So before we close out, you know, um, so what's next for you? Well, right now I have a podcast called. The Keep It Dago podcast. Amen. Basically, it's a multimedia platform. It's mm-hmm. podcast. It's YouTube. It's Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about actually going on to Roku or something. Mm-hmm. You know, bigger platforms as we grow. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to push San Diego's urban entertainment industry mm-hmm. through Keep It Dago. Okay. And so Keep It Dago is a movement out here in San Diego. What we've been doing is we've been bringing artist interviews. And we're trying to bring R&B, hip-hop, gospel. Matter of fact, we got a gospel interview uh, that we already did. It's be coming out soon. And we got mm-hmm. a couple more that we're going to be doing coming mm-hmm. up real soon. Anything urban, poetry, somebody out there wants to get involved, mm-hmm. we'll interview you for poetry, let you spit some of your poetry on our platform. Okay. 
um, in addition to that, I've gotten involved with a company that sells artificial intelligence powered marketing. Okay. And so I am trying to push that. I'm trying to get people who have been doing social media marketing, but just find that they're mm-hmm. having to put too much time and energy into it. Mm-hmm. An opportunity to get involved with that. Those are the main things right now. And because, as you know, I got out with my shoulder messed up. Right. I'm about to go in surgery pretty soon and get that fixed. And mm-hmm. then probably after that, maybe spring, I may return to, uh, I may go to San Diego State and finish up my MBA degree. But, um, wow, that's, you got a lot. Yeah, got a lot well, I will go to San Diego State <laughs> Staying and finish busy. my MBA degree. So I'm staying kind of busy. I'm trying to trying to do some things. And, of course, I'm always available as a motivational speaker. Amen. So using, speaker. here come up, why can't they get in contact with you? Uh, they can get in touch with me. They can hit me on the email, robertleonardwood at gmail.com. They can call me, 619-773-3846. That's 619-773-3846. They can just Google Keep It Dago, spelled D-A-Y-G-O, and my podcast will come up, or they can go to keepitdago.com. That's keepitdago, spelled D-A-Y-G-O.com. Check me out on the website. Send me an email through there. Uh, There are multiple ways to get in touch with me. And if you forget every other way of getting in touch with me, you can contact Bishop Cornelius Bowser, (laughs) and he's always in touch with me. Amen, amen. Well, most definitely, I thank I thank you, Robert, man, for uh, uh, coming on the show with us and um, uh, sharing, you know, a little bit about prison. We got to do this again and um, uh, talk about some other subjects because you're well rounded and you can talk about anything. I just wanted to start the, here because I know that you know you you're just getting out, been out almost a year now, and I know there have to be a lot of struggles and and an upside too, because like you said, there you, we got to search for the resource, and that's one of the things I found is that. A lot of times, you know, when we say there's no resources, we're just not looking because there's there's all type of resources out there. If you tap into the right networks, the right people, and get the right connections and so on, you can get the help that you need. We got to do way better for sure um, uh, to raise people out of poverty, give people a living wage, bring equity, and so on. We know that and justice. And, 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 and one of the other classes of people that could help, right? And um. Because when, you, when mm-hmm. we get out, we have probation officers. Right. We have parole officers. If you have a probation officer or a parole officer, a lot of times, even if they seem to be a really mean and really be on you, a lot of times you can go to those people and they'll be surprised that you're asking for resources <laughs> and you'll be surprised that they're getting them for you. Right. So before you think this person isn't trying to help you at all, mm-hmm. you know, they're in law enforcement. That's their job. I understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But know that nothing beats a failure but a try. Mm-hmm. At least try going to that individual right. and telling them about the resources you need, and they might be able to point you in the right direction, exactly. and they might be willing to. He's a good point. And so don't be shocked by that. And the last thing I want to say that I didn't say previously is mm-hmm. if you don't do anything else mm-hmm. when you get out, mm-hmm. if you don't Take my advice and get a legitimate hustle on the side of your job. You don't decide to do that. Mm-hmm. At least get spiritually grounded. Amen. No matter what your beliefs are, mm-hmm. 
And that will help you a lot. It's been amazing for me. Amen. 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 And, and I thank God for you. Uh, Bobby's a member of our church, Charity Apostolic Church. And um, we most definitely thank God for him. We most definitely are blessing in so many different ways uh, with us and great support. So we most definitely thank God for that. And thank God for you coming on. And we're going to have you again, man. Really enjoyed it. This is Bishop Bowser. A slow motion, I should say, with Bishop Bowser, uh, Shafat Outreach Podcast. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, and um, please remember what was said today, and if you can use Bobby in any kind of way, reach out to him or reach out to me, and he, he can speak, he can do marketing. There's a lot of different things he can do. He can, he can uh, uh, teach classes, he can do workshops, all type of different things uh, that you can use him for, and he understands the Zoom and all those things. He's learning all, all of that, so use him. Call him up and use him in any kind of way. We need your support. He needs your support. All right? All right. God bless you. And thank you for tuning in to Slow Motion with Bishop Bowser. See you in the next episode.